I am going to be iconic by continuing to be vulnerable. I really like what you said about failing forward and continuing to share how I did that so that other people know it does not need to be perfect the first time. I'm a struggling perfectionist. So that's why those stories can be hard to share, hard to own up to. But I think if more of us did that, people wouldn't be as afraid to pursue their dreams and to become iconic in their own way. Hey icons, it's Jen Spiegel, mama four, serial entrepreneur, and your business and lifestyle BFF. I'm here to build a community of like-minded women who are willing to dust themselves off time and time again. Through these stories in this podcast, you will be inspired and encouraged to do all that you can do to be the best version of yourself. Ladies, let's be icons. Hey icons, welcome to today's podcast and I am super excited for you to learn today from someone who deserves a lot of accolades and a lot of praise because she has built something phenomenal. And today we're talking to Brianna Kay, or you might know her of as Bits of Brie, and she is a lifestyle and cleaning YouTuber. She has a love of helping others that started when she was a teacher, and she's known for her cleaning and mummy vlogs on YouTube with 27 million views and over a quarter of a million subscribers and growing. And that just skims the surface of who this beautiful human being is, my friend. And I'm just so grateful to share you right now with this community because I know you have so much to teach other women who are desiring to, you know, start something fresh and new on YouTube. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be a guest on your podcast. Yeah, you're a big deal. And you are a wife to Adam and your mom to Landon and Presley, who are beautiful human beings in themselves. And I love witnessing, even just through your YouTube channels, this this warm, loving home. I mean, that's the sense we get. And I firmly believe that that's actually truth. Yeah, well, that is like part of my intention when I prayed on what I should do as far as my channel goes. I came from a divorced family and I just know every holiday until I had my own family felt really, really hard. And I just thought if I can share my home and a family with some viewers out there who maybe are in a similar situation, like they haven't yet found their person to start their own family or because of jobs, the military, you name it, there's people broken apart from their families on holidays or special occasions that I just wanted it to be a little place on the internet that they could come and feel like they were at home with the family. And thank you for that. Because I come from a divorced family. I'm an only child. So the pressure I felt, even to this day, I mean, it's never gone away because there's only one of me. It's been immense. And there's a lot of guilt I carry as a mom with children who come from now a divorced home because I empathize. I know what it feels like. So my mom's done a beautiful job of, you know, always saying to me, do your plans. I will see you when I can see you. She's never put pressure on me, but there's still that underlying pressure, which I know you can relate to then. I'm wanting to make sure everybody's happy. Yes. And you know, my dad would say the same thing to us too. And I just respected him so much for that. And I say he did because he passed away on Father's Day last year. But it is at least nice when a parent can have, you know, that empathy for how you feel on those holidays after the fact for sure. I'm sorry about that loss. I that that's a deep loss and I lost my 
my human, my papa, on Father's Day when I was little. So, oh my god! Uh, yeah, <sighs> yeah, we have a lot in common. <laughs> Who knew? That is. You know, it's it's so funny because I don't know if I've ever shared this publicly. He was born on he was September fourth was his birthday, but his mom actually had him on Labor Day, and he loved to tell that joke that like my mom labored on Labor Day, <laughs> and I just always thought. Like, in a way, I think he tried to, like, lessen the blow because obviously I would think of him every Father's Day regardless. So I was like, he, he fought for so long. I mean, there was a month that the doctors were like, it's going to be any day. It's going to be any day. And I was like, did you help, like, try to soften the blow of, like, the day you're going to think of me anyways, that's it. And, like, sign, seal the deal, you know? <laughs> Sometimes I think they pick that stuff, you know? You just yeah. made a beautiful story out of something that for years, I mean, this was when I was 10 years old, but he, I was just so in love with my papa. He was my everything. And, you know, it's always been like that little bit of sadness on that day. I've never looked at it in terms of that. And even for my mom, that, that day you're thinking of them anyways. Yeah. yeah. And so there's, yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. And I am hug so through the screen right now. <laughs> I know. Virtual hugs. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Brie, I can't do this community any other way. I'm so drawn to vulnerability right now and just stories and, and comeback stories, especially because as women, I don't think we celebrate our comeback stories enough. I think we often sit in like that was failure or that didn't work out properly. And you know, victimize ourselves and get so wrapped up in that versus look at what we have done and look what we did overcome. And I want to change the focus. I really do. So thank you for being a part of that. Yeah, of course. I so love tell, that. Me, tell me about YouTube. How did this all start? Where did the, the idea come from? So I was a new mom. I had just had my son land in and I was working a nine to five in an office, which as a little girl was what I had envisioned for myself. That was what I thought was the ultimate was to have a window office in the city, work the nine to five, wear the suit and then, you know, be a working mom. Well, I had followed a bunch of YouTubers pregnancies because they would do a weekly update. And just when your body, especially as a first time mom is changing dramatically week to week. And there's all these weird signs, symptoms you just have never had in your life. Sometimes you're like, is, is this normal or is this wrong or do I need to call the doctor or is this something everybody goes through? So I had loved following these other women's pregnancy journeys and the three months I was home on maternity leave, because in the U.S. we get 12 weeks, so it's not even quite three months. We're just crazy. I'll fight that battle someday, I promise. I like have yes, it in please me. do. Please do. <laughs> but... I had, you know, watched them then even on maternity leave if they had done newborn videos. And then I searched for transition back to work and no one else had, like they were all stay at home moms or the majority of blogs I was finding at the time was all stay at home moms. And I just felt like I couldn't find any resources that were going to help me with this transition where I should say nine to five, but it required travel. So I had it on my heart, like breastfeeding had gone really well. I felt very lucky those like weeks that I was at home. And I was like, I have to figure out breastfeeding, like not only pumping at the office, but milk through airports. Like I just felt like I didn't have people that I could talk to in my personal life who were going through the same thing. And I couldn't even find other videos on the internet that could kind of talk me through it. So I had taken broadcast journalism courses. It was my undergrad major. 
So I knew how to edit videos. And I think that's why I was drawn to watching these videos. And it just kind of went from there of like, okay, you know what, instead of writing in my son's baby book, I'm going to do a video every month of his update because that felt manageable as a working mom. And I just thought if, you know, I'm ever in so inspired because I was lacking some creativity in the office job. I, I just felt like I could use the creativity that I really wanted an outlet for to then share once I kind of got a handle on things. Here's what it looks like to be a pumping, working mom, traveling while pumping mom. And I think that's where the audience just kind of started growing. And for a long time, that's what people would say to me is you're the only working mom I found on YouTube. Wow. So yeah, it was, it was really cool to kind of be that. And then what happened eventually after two years of doing working mom content and, you know, we got a new home and I was pregnant with my daughter Presley when we moved what YouTube and I always say like any site on social media that has an algorithm, it can be a roulette wheel because what you sometimes start out intending to do, it can decide that viewers really like hearing about something else. And it was the moving to the new house. Everybody wanted the house tour. That was my first video with over a million views. Wow. And yeah. And so from there, everybody was like, I want to see you decorate like your house more like, or I want to see you cleaning your house. And that's why it has evolved now into me sharing that part of my life that I have always loved. Like even when I was a teacher, I won best decorated classroom every single year. So it's, <laughs> it's always been a piece of me, but it just, it, you know, YouTube by audience request kind of turned into what they really wanted to see. So Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's so good. I, I want to talk about just a few things in that because I want to make sure people yeah. listening are really grasping onto. So the first thing is like your flexibility in that and, and paying attention to what your audience wants. That's one of the things I'm really curious about right now. And I find the more, more vulnerable, the better. And even buying your home, right? It's like letting somebody in your space that I think people are craving. So it's really interesting. And I'm really you know, happy to see another entrepreneur be open to their audience and let them guide the course versus trying to control everything. And I also love, which I share as well, that past passions that you had in a different capacity ended up becoming something really great and wonderful for you. Like, you know, the best decorated room. I think my mom, my mom was a teacher. I'm sure she got that award too, because she's so organized and yeah. loves cleaning. She'll come over and be like, what has happened to this house? We need to get things under control. So I'm sure she must watch your videos. I'm sure she does, but that's amazing. And I love, I love that transition you're making. Thank you for being that for your audience. Yeah. Well, and I think that's just it too, is whether women, moms, we have to wear so many different hats. Like there is just no denying that, that as a woman, we are expected to be successful sometimes to like very unfair pressures of you should know how to cook. You should know how to decorate, but then you should also be able to be extremely successful in your business and you need to be a really good mom. It's like all of these things that really the skills for them can be very, very different at times. But at the end of the day, that's why I think, you know, my audience really took to the term boss mom. And I had, you know, read just some criticism of putting any sort of a gender with the word boss. But what I and what I was hearing from my audience was feeling when we were using the term of like, I'm a boss mom is you know what, for everything that I have to manage as a mom, I am using executive level skills 
to complete all of the tasks on my to-do list. And I should be given the credit that like, I am the boss of this household in this family and all the things that I do every single day. And it's not a negative, it's an empowering thing. So bingo, like, absolutely. I remember in my social media before I really went into the entrepreneurial space, I said, I'm the CEO of four tiny humans, you know, because you do, you're running the show. And I, I really wonder why people are so sensitive to putting boss mom or boss lady or boss girl. I mean, at this, I just think it's, it is so empowering as women. We've never been able to call ourselves that before, or maybe we could have, but we didn't. And now that we are, let's not get all weird about it. It's just, it is a term. If you don't like it, use something else. But I, I love boss mom and that you showed yourself in different capacities as a mom. You were a working mom and I wish more working moms would be loud and proud about that. But you also now are a stay at home mom, you know, doing YouTube. So you have felt both sides of the equation. And I think that's what makes you so empathetic and serving to your, your audience. Yes. Cause my biggest thing is always wanting to help. Like in whatever piece of content I create, if somebody is like that helped me, then I've succeeded for that piece of content that I worked on. And I think that's where you know, mom hacks is a big thing. Like a lot of people search for different mom hacks or different types of tips. And I can really think through, did that help me as a working mom? Did that help me as a stay at home mom? Just, I feel very lucky and fortunate that, you know, God clearly set the path for me that I could experience both sides. And I know the grass isn't always greener. And I know both are very underappreciated, quite honestly. And so anything I can do to make people feel really valued too matters a lot to me. Mm, your heart is made of gold. It is. Okay. So tell me, you started doing this, this YouTube, you were decorating your home and now you're doing cleaning. And I, I watch your cleaning videos and it makes me instantly want to fix my house up. You definitely inspire us to fix the untidy. What does that look like? And like to make that video from start to finish, what does that look like for someone? How would they even start doing something like that? Yeah. So you can totally start on your phone. I mean, especially even with iMovie, even if it's just something you want to dabble in and say like one day, I just want to try this. You can film on your phone. I obviously was trained in camera work. So what I do now is a bit more of a production. Like I've invested in some nicer quality cameras. So it's like incredibly crisp, clear footage, but even the latest models of iPhones have great video footage too. I would just say start when your home is well lit and always kind of have the camera be where there is a window. So you have that natural lighting facing you and that instantly improves the quality. You don't need studio lighting. Fun fact though, about my home, we did replace all of our lighting to have cool light bulbs because Mm -hmm. generally the light bulbs people have in their homes are very warm goldish tone and you can look very orange on camera. So just so I didn't have to like every clip retune the coloring we do have very cool toned light bulbs all over our house because i'm doing this professionally here but if if you're just starting out really just set the camera so that that window is facing you with the natural light and to me it's like just go to town cleaning do what you would normally do and in the actual then editing process i speed up the footage a little bit underlay music, which on YouTube, you can't use copyrighted music. So there's different sites you can use. YouTube even provides free music to creators on the creator studio that you can download and use. And then I like to just share 
cleaning tips or like hacks or products that I'm really loving. But more than that, I like to give people a pep talk because especially if you're at home, you can feel so isolated. And it's also like, well, nobody's coming over today. So it doesn't really matter even if I do this. And I just would like to help people break this cycle. And I think that's what I've gotten the feedback from and why I feel motivated to keep doing this is people will say, I was depressed. I wasn't cleaning my house. Like I was on the couch every single day and I didn't care. But like I watched this and like I heard your pep talks and I got up and I started doing it. And like literally now my husband and I are getting along better. My kids are proud of me. Like they're proud to have their friends over the house. Like I know these things seem like at the end of the day, no, if it's like you're choosing between, do I spend quality time with my kid or do I spend four hours cleaning? I think most people are going to be like, I'm going to pick the quality time with my kid. But if you are in a state of depression or anxiety and you can do these things just to feel proud and better about yourself and what you've accomplished that day, like that changes then every way that you're able to show up for your kids and your family. So I totally agree with that. And there's a level of pride for me, you know, and I was raised, like I said to you, my mom's a tidy, tidy woman. And I'm grateful because it's a goal. I don't, I've never actually told anybody this, but in my mind, it's a goal that my house is always company ready. Meaning that if someone would show up at my front door, I wouldn't be mortified to invite them in, but it doesn't have to be perfect, but I would at least say, come on in and have a cup of coffee. That's always been my goal. I did go extreme as a stay-at-home mom, so I do think we can go the other way too, where we have this standard we put up for ourselves that it shouldn't even look like a child lives in the house. And I remember my in-laws at the time saying that, they're like, Jen, you could lick your floors and your baseboards. Like there's not a speck of dirt anywhere, but that's where I found my, my worth and my value because I was so lost as a stay-at-home mom. I was the opposite. I didn't lay around. I was fanatical. So I'm sure you have those people too in your audience. And maybe you can speak about that a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's really true. And I, to me, that's even why I felt like doing this course could help other women too, because it's, it started out, I would share these tap to cleans on Instagram where I would say, tag me when you do this. And you know, whether they were cleaning up their kitchen too, or making the beds that day, just then that like, Hey, and like, still there's like hundreds that I get tagged in every single day. So I still go through and I try to like clap or like do the celebration for each one just so you get that like, good job. Like we are so ingrained from coming from a school culture where we got rated on everything we did every single day and told like, here, you're doing good or here's how you can improve. And then as a stay at home mom, you're just lost. You're like, nobody's telling me if I'm doing a good job or not. Like, So I think that's where, you know, the community online is just so beautiful. I don't think any other generations had it. And Yes, there are negative sides, but I think there can be really positive sides to people's self-esteem when they feel like I'm getting recognized for things that nobody ever told me good job on before or encouraged me to keep going on before. And I think that's why the like light bulb just went off in my conversations with Kayla, who's our coach in the mastermind that we're in, of just why aren't you teaching other women how to do this because it's clearly impacted your life in such a positive way. And you like, you know, and the other things I do, like I said, everything I do is to impact somebody positively or help them or make them feel better about themselves. She's like, why aren't you teaching other women who could do the same thing you're doing too? And my course was born and yeah, 
<laughs> let's not let's not skip over that. Your course was born, and yeah. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it was as as a, as a person in your mastermind, but a peer and a friend and a cheerleader of yours. I mean, I was just my jaw was on the floor, which tells me a lot of women need you. It also tells me you're very respected because I'm sure you're consistent and you show up and you're reliable to them. So they trust you. And I would love to know I, if I could be like a little fly on the wall. One of the things I keep hearing in my head as we're talking is how many women talk themselves out of their idea. You know, maybe they're thinking, I'd love to do YouTube. I'm at home with my babies. And maybe they're thinking, but my idea is dumb. You know, and who would want to know about XYZ, or they compare yourself to you and say, oh, but Bree's already doing cleaning. You know, that's, that's, that's already taken. So what would you say to your clients in your course who want to learn how to do YouTube, who are really getting in their own way with their ideas? Yeah. So have you ever heard of the Japanese term Aikugai? No. So to me, it's, it's a little bit better than the way I was, I think, explained I've done nonprofit work and you talk a lot about mission driven work, right? So it's like, well, you should love and have emotion for the work you're still doing and getting paid for to sustain your family. But what I really like about the Ikigai concept is it takes something you love and are very passionate about. So like you're mission driven, something you can make money doing to support your family, but what your actual talents and skills are. So things that you personally are really, really good at. And what actually helps the world? Like, what is a problem? You know, in ad terminology, like, what's your avatar's problem, or what is in YouTube your audience's problems? And if you combine all those four things, you've achieved like your self purpose, right? Like, the reason for being is what like the term is actually translated to. And so, even though I clean my house, like I said, I do pep talks that. Are honestly, sometimes it's me talking about getting over the grief of my dad, since that is still a very recent raw wound for me. Sure. I mean, sometimes it's it's anything in my life that I've experienced, I'll tell the story and just like share like motivation for what helped me to get over it, or even sometimes just asking for advice of like, can we connect on this? Like, can you help me like figure this out too? And that's where I think any other person isn't going to have the same story as me. Yes, you might have a house to clean as well. And yes, other people really enjoy cleaning motivation, but you might be able to share parts of your story that I would never be able to help somebody who's struggling with that with. So that's where I think every single person, even though there might be similarities, your own uniqueness and experiences is what makes you beautiful and your gifts and abilities of who you can help and connect with completely different. Oh, that's like really, really good advice. I hope people absorb that and listen to it and actually rewind and listen again, because I think we, we just get in our way full of fear of what if, and I keep saying to people, but what if it works? You know, you can, what if yourself like crazy, but what if it works? And you're right, because somebody's children may be a different age than yours. You know, I, I was thinking as you were, I'm, I'm very creative and I brainstorm often and I think entrepreneurs do, but I'm thinking, you know, what about teenagers? What about the mom out there who's home or working and has teenagers? I mean, that is real. Okay. The kitchen sink is never clean. And, you know, talking yourself through raising teenagers, or maybe it's trying to have a baby. There's so many topics and so many personalities and background stories that make 
every single one of us unique and have something special to share. Yeah. It is so funny because even you say that one of the friends that I've connected with on YouTube, I just said to her the other day, I was like, the reason I love watching your videos is because she has a boy and a girl. They're the same age difference as my two, but they're like five years ahead of them. So I'm like, you give me the window into like, what am I going to expect over the next five years? So it is, it's like really nice to find different people at different stages and learn from their experiences. So absolutely. Absolutely. So I just want to say to everybody listening to encourage you, you know, it's, and I think verbally processing. So doing something like this can also be very therapeutic. You know, you're holding yourself accountable, but you also are really allowing people in and sharing that story, which I, I, I'm a verbal processor. That's how I have to dissect things and get over things. And I think it's just a really great avenue to do it through. So tell me someone who's listening to this and feeling awe-inspired and, and wanting to do a YouTube, how often should someone post a video? So I think the biggest thing is consistency and letting your audience know when than necessarily how frequent. The YouTube algorithm changes where there have definitely been times where they prefer higher frequency of uploads, but they actually, after I think some mental health feedback, of uh, this is putting a lot of pressure on people who, especially when you think of the creative mind, creative mind generally doesn't do as well under pressure, right? Like it needs a little bit more relaxed, calm to have that like true creative juices flowing. So there definitely was a scale back as far as the algorithm goes of like what's expected. Most creators at this point, even the really large ones are doing one, two, usually maximum three videos a week. Okay. But I say what really matters more is to tell your audience this is when to show up because what matters more than anything is the first hour on YouTube. Okay. So if you have the influx of your audience at the time you told them, commenting on the video, liking the video, sharing the video, YouTube sees that as, okay, this is a video then that we're not only going to push out to who's subscribed to her, but to other people because clearly there's like a frenzy in the algorithm's perspective on that video. So it really is you being consistent and communicating with your audience. I need you to show up at this time. And I think that's what's beautiful about the community on YouTube is the ones who get that show up every single time. And I love, there's a new feature called the premiere on YouTube. And I always say to people who are like, what does a premiere mean? It's like the AIM chat room is on the side of the video. So you get to not only experience the video together and I love it because I get instant feedback as the creator of, oh, they really like this part of the video. Like I can make sure I show things like that again. But I can also just be like, where's everyone watching from? I get to know the moms who do have kids my age. I get to know other people who don't have kids yet who just like to watch and like kind of I said, like get to know what's maybe coming next in their life. And it's just really fun. Like I feel like I've gotten to know my community so much because they show up and for that, those like 15 to 30 minutes, we get to chat with each other and it's really, really fun. And I love that connection. I, I would say that's beautiful. And I love that the community is seeing how they can support you by you supporting them with these videos. And I, it is a relationship online. I think people fail sometimes to see it that way. When you are creating and giving content and value out to the world, the best gift they can give us back, if in fact it speaks to their heart and it's something they enjoy, is that 
comment, the engagement, the share, it's, it is the best gift. And really I, I'm to do one video, I imagine takes almost a full day in my, is, or would it be even longer than that? So what I love about what you're saying is, you know, an audience needs to give back to you the way you give to them. And I think sometimes in social media, our audiences forget that, right? It takes effort and time to come up with content and you always want to be giving value. And, and really, ultimately, all of our goal is to speak to them. So when they share and comment and show up, you know, when that video launches, there's no, to me, no better gift they can give back. And it's so important for feedback as well, like you'd mentioned. So I'm curious to know, like a video, does that take a whole day to get done or is it a whole process? So the clean and decorates, I always say, take me the longest because usually, and I'm not kidding you, it'll be sometimes over a month in advance that I've got my mood board going, that I'm ordering decor from places, shopping for decor from places, crafting the decor. And then there's the actual filming and it generally takes me about two days to do the filming process. And then I'll have such an extreme amount of footage. It takes me nearly a full day to do the editing. And I'm a rather fast editor because of my background. Like when some other YouTubers have talked to me, they're like, how do you get your video done in six hours? Or, you know, which I still think is a pretty like big chunk of time, which is why there's been certain periods where I've gone down to one video a week posting just because I'm like, it took me two days to film and a day to edit. Like that's three days. Whereas back in the day when I started YouTube, and I would just sit like we are now on the computer screen, record from my computer, you know, hold up Landon when he was a baby and talk for 10 minutes about like, he's crawling this month that I could edit in under an hour, have the video uploaded. And that's why I could do it as a working mom on the weekend during nap time and call it a day. So the, the production and kind of as big as YouTube has gotten for like what they're expecting on my channel right now, it definitely is a very, very large time investment than what it once was. So that's good yeah. to know. I think people need to know what they're getting into because when you said being consistent and reliable, it's so important because if we're inconsistent, people may pay attention for a short term, but then once they lose trust with you or don't know whether you're coming or going, you can lose them as fast as you gained them. Now I hear Presley and Landon in the background because they just got home with Adam and yeah. I would love, I, I, first of all, I love their little voices in the background because I'm all about moms and entrepreneurs. And so for me, that, that makes my heart pitter pat. Tell me about you and Adam and his, you know, what his idea or attitude is, I suppose, around what you're doing here with YouTube. Does he like it? Yes. So that is the one thing I just have to say about my husband. I think no matter what role I've been in, he has just been supportive and been the cheerleader for me of just, you're going to be able to be successful no matter what you put your mind to. I actually, it's funny because he, one of our anniversary presents, he like wrote his vows, like had them imposed on like a picture for us. And I believe that was even in his vows. It was like, she'll do whatever she puts her mind to. So I feel like he knew it then and just is very supportive of that in everything. And I think even he, when I did the course, you know, he was just kind of like, oh, another thing you're putting your mind to. And he's like, but, you know, of course I knew it was going to be great for you. So it's just nice to know that he does appreciate that I work and mom because I know there's a lot of people and like that is what sometimes I hear is like, I want to do this. but 
there's sort of this, I'm expected to just be the mom Mm -hmm. and like, you know, not do something else, even if it interests me. And even I would hear that in women with my course, they're like, well, I can't do this until I talk it over with my husband. Like, even though I want to pull the trigger, which I think that's important, right? Like I definitely need to like Adam and I have that two way communication, but I am just very appreciative that he's never been like, no, you, you can't do that. Or no, I don't think your idea is valid. Like he's always just been like, pursue what you want. And I know you can be successful. And he's also then such a good partner with the kids. Like it is just amazing to know that I can kind of like turn off that mom switch. Like I don't always have to be mom on. Cause I think that's really hard. Like I even want to do it right now. Like I hear them going down for naps and I'm like, I know she's a little cranky, (laughs) but it's nice to be like, no, he's got it, you know, and I can focus on work that needs to be done at certain times. So I just, I I love hearing that and bless his heart because it's true. I mean, parenting is parenting together. And I think sometimes women are like, here, let me introduce you to our kids, you know, when they need help. Because often, and I I lived this role as a stay-at-home mom, we just think we're supposed to do everything. That is like our obligation to our partner for, quote unquote, allowing us to stay home and raise our babies. At least that's, that's how I thought of it, okay? Maybe not everybody feels that way, but that's how I processed it. And I also come from a home where I had a very unsupportive spouse. And now I have a very supportive spouse. So I also relate to both sides of the story. And I, I do want to say to anybody listening in your community or in the bigger community we're building here, that it's amazing when you have a supportive spouse. It certainly makes life easier. There's no denying that. But you don't need a supportive spouse to be successful. You really don't. And a lot of times I believe they're unsupportive because we have said we're going to do things before and we didn't follow through. And, uh, and also I think they want to protect us. Men often want to protect us. So rather than, oh, but I don't want you to be disappointed if it doesn't work, their way of doing that is like diminishing what we're thinking of or our dreams. I honestly don't believe it's done in ill intention. Maybe there are someone, some out there who are like that, but I think the majority it's protection and also uh, um, sometimes even to a lack of understanding. What does this mean? You're going to put our family on YouTube? I don't know if I want to be in public like that. So I just want to challenge everybody listening. You don't need permission, okay? And I don't know if you needed to hear this from me, but you do not need permission to fulfill those desires on your heart. It's certainly easier with an atom, but you don't need an atom to just start dipping the toe in the water. And, you know, when I did start YouTube, I'll just be honest. I was doing it like for myself. I did not think it was ever going to become what it became. So I feel a bit bad in saying, I don't really think Adam even had a choice or a voice in all of those things. Cause I think he probably would have thought those same thoughts too. Of like, people are going to like know all of our family and like all this is going to be online. But I think because I was just doing it in the beginning for my own personal to look back on, it just wasn't even something that was in either one of our minds of like, oh, we need to be thinking about if this becomes something bigger. And I don't know, you said something there that I just feel like I would be wrong without saying we are in a really good place now because Adam and I did go to therapy. We worked on a lot of things. I think I definitely had, whether it's imposter syndrome or was just 
so stretched to the max when I was the caretaker for my dad and being the caretaker of, you know, at the time my daughter was only one year old when my dad fell and had kind of just like his very fast downward health spiral. And my sister lives out of state. So I was really the only person who was like solely able to be here for my father. I just was not being the wife one that like I needed to be for him. And like I said, I don't know if it was imposter syndrome of just like constantly telling myself like, yeah, you are a bad wife right now. Or like, you're not being the attentive wife for true partner that I expected myself to be. And I, at the same time, just couldn't like, not to be rude, but like in the priorities, it just was like, I, I can't, like, I can't do the job that I was doing and take care of my dad and the kids and be this like perfect wife at that season. And so I think that's where in a partnership you have to have that like forgiveness and also the willingness to be like, we're going to work on this now because we know it was not like where it needed to be. So we've luckily, I think like gotten into a nice stride with each other, but it was hard. It was really, really hard. Yeah, for a while. I bet it was. And so it's not even the time commitment for you, but the emotional commitment of watching your dad deteriorate. I mean, that's, that's not easy. That's, that's your dad. It's your, a parent is a whole other level of, of mourning and, and releasing. And you never really le- release anyways, because they're always with you. I believe it. But um, I imagine for him too, though, there were times where we're all selfish in ourselves where it's like, but I need you too. So I'm grateful to hear that story of working through, because I know with marriage, we don't talk enough about this part. We really don't. We don't talk enough about the times where the arrow had to be pulled back in order for it to fling forward again. And I think sometimes as women, especially, and as moms, and in social media, with a social media presence, it can be difficult to want to share, but I think it's essential that we do. So I'm really grateful you were willing to share that piece because I think sometimes we're put on a pedestal, you know, especially yourself. You have a beautiful, clean home, a beautiful home, these beautiful children, a beautiful marriage. I'm sure some of you, you're audience and, and the community go, but she's got it all. I think it's really nice for them to see that you struggle at times too. Well, and I think that was the most beautiful analogy of the arrow needed, needing to be pulled back before it can spring forward. Because when I was in that place, it was dark and it did feel like on social media, sort of, I guess, similar to when my YouTube channel started, you don't really see people on social media talking about I have this issue in my relationship. Like they'll focus on other stuff in their lives so that even if it is going on, you probably don't know about it. And I think that that's okay. Like I don't want anybody to think like I have to air the dirty laundry, but just know that like you're not alone and that yes, maybe somebody's in a really good place. So they're sharing that or they're sharing other things that they feel better about because there's always an aspect of your life that's probably in like the arrow pulled back phase. Yeah, I, I believe it. And that's why I, I, and I say to on most of my podcasts, why I call this becoming iconic, because iconic to me as a woman is like a holistic approach to life, where we're working on all the parts. To me, you know, you can be an iconic stay-at-home mom, you can be an iconic wife, you can be iconic working woman, whatever that is for you. But are we paying attention to all the balls up in the air, and not letting one drop completely? And that is, it's not easy. And it's not a test and you don't have to have it all figured out, but you're right. Sometimes the ball's a little lower over here than this one. And I think that's just life and the juggle and the pendulum swing 
of the ebbs and flows. So I appreciate that again. Thank you so much. So I have a, it's a bold question, but I, I know people are thinking this. So I'm just going to come out and ask it. I'm not going to ask you to give numbers, but I want, I know there's people listening going, do you really make an income on YouTube? Is that really possible for me? Could you share on that a little bit? Yes. So I think people are always curious, like, how do you actually make your money? So you make it through Google ad revenue. So Google plays ads on your videos. So you make a percentage, it's like 50% of what Google's making on that ad you okay. get back as the creator. So, and then another way is through affiliates. So if I'm sharing the link to my vacuum cleaner or I'll get often asked, what's the shirt you're wearing or where are the leggings you're wearing from? Where are your house slippers from? So I'll share the links to those. And I think it's become fairly common knowledge on platforms that if you use the blogger, whoever you like and supports links, you get a small kickback. It doesn't make it any more cost-wise for the consumer, but it does give a percentage to then that person who's working and sharing. So those are sort of the three streams that in general, whether it's YouTube or other forms of social media of how they're making money. I mean, YouTube's a little different because of the Google ad rev. And I know there's Google ads on blogs as well, but videos definitely pay a lot more than ads on blogs. But more than anything, it's really the brand sponsorship. So when you work with other brands to, you know, integrate the product into your YouTube video, that's where most YouTubers are making a lot more money doing that than they do from just the ad revenue. Okay. Very good to know. And I remember you telling me in California, which really shocked me and I had no idea, but you actually have to have your viewer watch the whole ad in order for that to count. Isn't that right? Yes. So... It's been a pretty common thing. I mean, I, I did it even for my dad when he passed away because he had multiple sclerosis. And I know there's just been some other like hardships within the mom community. So we'll ask the community at those times like, hey, while you're working throughout the day, put on this channel's videos, don't skip the ads so that they can, you know, see a boost this month. Or if they're like donating to a cause or whatnot, give them that support. So it truly is like it just is a very simple way that doesn't cost you anything, but that can really help if somebody is going through a hard time. Or and I'm just grateful to know that because I, I appreciate yeah. your channel. So if, again, it's a way of giving back to you for all this hard work you're doing <laughs> and letting me in is just watch the ad. Yeah. It's a pain sometimes you're like, I just want to get back to, to breathe, but it's so simple for us to do for someone who's giving great value and content on YouTube. So I'm really, I want people to know that because I was yeah. completely blown away. I had no idea that that affected a person. Yes. It matters a lot. So it's always appreciated. Okay. Well, we, none of us will skip an ad ever again. Okay. If you appreciate it, I love it. <laughs> Just suck it up, Buttercup, and let's just watch those ads. And you know, Seriously, what? every YouTuber would be so thankful. Like you will make every YouTuber's day. It's like, so easy. And if you think about it, the ripple effects even further than that. The actual ad itself, we're supporting a company who's trying to do better and serve. Like it's, it's. We have to sometimes stop thinking about convenience all the time and fast and quick and just get at it and just think about what we're offering and doing. With like you said, it takes no effort. It's just let it play through. So I, I wanted everybody to know that because I, like I told you, I had no clue that that was something. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's talk just in pulling this together about this course. So we spoke a little bit about it and how it was so successful. But what I love is when, before we started recording, you were talking about how this feels such an alignment and I would love for the community to know more about what you're offering. Yeah. So I think I brought up the Ikigai earlier and it did. It just was like everything aligned and I couldn't believe I didn't think of starting this sooner. I had gone to school for broadcast journalism, which helped me make the connection to YouTube when I wanted to start. But my first job out of grad school, I was a teacher for Teach for America. I taught seventh grade English in Baltimore for two years. And I loved it. Like it was so fulfilling for me because I was not only the teacher, I was the cheerleading coach, I was the academic trivia coach. I just had so many opportunities that I got to know my students and their community outside of the school hours or lessons I was teaching them as far as English goes. And, you know, it, I've always kind of felt very sad that I was missing that piece. I think even people on my YouTube channel, like I'd started YouTube long after teaching and just anytime I talked about it, people would always be like, are you ever thinking about going back to teaching? Like you seem to really light up when you talk about that time. And my dad, I don't know what even possessed me to do this. It's the most random conversation in a voice memo on my phone. But my son and my daughter, they both like to watch videos of Poppy or like hear the voice memos from Poppy. And so the one night, I was just like, oh, I don't know what this one is from. And it was like as I was developing this course. And my dad was like, you know, I really think teaching was like your thing. Like maybe you think about going back to that. <sighs> Sorry, don't want to get too emotional, but it was just like, yes, like why had I not designed a course where I can go back to what I loved, which was teaching and designing lessons and bringing in experts from the community? Because I would often do that for my students because I really do believe you can't be what you can't see. So I would always try to bring in other experts to be like, this is a job opportunity for you that you could go do after this. And that's just kind of what I wanted to do with this course. And I really did some thinking of when did I grow on YouTube? Like what were the things that I really needed or that really mattered that I didn't have in the beginning when I was clearly too scared to tell anyone that I was even doing YouTube. I was just like, well, I'll just do it for me as a creative outlet. And even when it started growing, I really didn't tell my like friends or family that I was doing YouTube. It was, oh, I'm still working my nine to five. And I was just kind of cool. This is a nice side hustle. So when I boiled it down, it was like, I connected and networked with some really incredible people in the YouTube space. Even if they weren't a mom on YouTube, they still had really valuable information of things they learned about content creation or things in the YouTube algorithm. So I was like, well, part of my course, I want to bring special guests in to be other experts, just like I would do in my classroom. And I also knew there needed to then be that community to collab with because anytime I connected with somebody else, that we could share each other's videos within our videos and like shout each other out, I would see a lot of growth and so would they. And it truly goes to that saying of like, together we rise. Like if we support each other, we can rise together. Mm -hmm. So that's why the course is not only the actual technical information and tips that I wish I had from the very beginning. I wouldn't have made a lot of the mistakes and I'm very candid about a lot of ways I screwed up YouTube in the beginning. There's a reason I'm going on four and a half years on YouTube and other people who 
started it a year or two years ago are past me in their success because I just made a lot of mistakes the first two years I was doing this. Okay. And then I just wanted to have that Facebook exclusive community to the women in it who can not only cheer each other on, pull each other up during the hard times, but then do those collaborations with each other, kind of like break that barrier of it being awkward to ask each other to do that. So that's how I designed the course. And we are actually on week, we just finished week two, we're heading into week three. And it just is what I look forward to. Like it's Monday afternoons and we're talking to each other on a Tuesday and I'm literally like, I want it to be next Monday already. Like oh, it just, beautiful. yeah. <laughs> that is beautiful. That's where you know you're in the right place doing the right thing. Really. Yeah. I'm so happy for you and I'm happy to see everything come together and form this perfect picture of what it should be in this moment for you. It's really special. And I, I know anybody who's looking to familiarize themselves with YouTube, start a channel, or just get to know that social media platform a little bit better, you are the person I would highly recommend anybody go seek out because of your heart, your, you know, just you want to give and serve. It's been so apparent through this conversation and your expertise. And I'm happy you failed forward. And I hope you are too, because you do see people come in now, even in my other business, I, I think, how did you do that in 1.2 months flat? I, like that's a phenomenon. It took me years, but it's just the way it is now. And it shows what is possible, but it also shows the grittiness of sticking to something and working through the hard times. So I'm grateful that you have that. And I'm also grateful you invite guests and that's, that shows confidence and leadership. It really does. Thank you. <laughs> so I have a question I ask everybody and I close these podcasts off with this question. So I would love to know how you are going to be iconic today. I am going to be iconic by continuing to be vulnerable. I really like what you said about failing forward and continuing to share how I did that so that other people know it does not need to be perfect the first time. I'm a struggling perfectionist. So that's why those stories can be hard to share, hard to own up to. But I think if more of us did that, people wouldn't be as afraid to pursue their dreams and to become iconic in their own way. So I will continue perfect. to do that. That's perfect. And you're right. And I know it opens us to some negative, you know, and I know that you've had your share of that on social. So have I, but being vulnerable doesn't allow them in our space. You know, they're going to show up whether we are or we aren't, but I love the idea of all of us kind of taking the armor off and just being ourselves completely with the good, the not so good, the oops-a-daisies and the celebration, you know, the champagne popping or in your case, and what's the wine? Apothic red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sister. You know, I am a red wine fan myself. So I, you know, we'll have to share a glass soon. I appreciate you. And so where can they find you? What would be the best way for someone to seek you out? Go over to bitsofbreeblog.com and you can find links to everything there. But I'm Bits of Brie on Instagram. You can follow me on Pinterest. It's my jam. Twitter. And then my YouTube channel name is Brianna K but it's all linked on bitsofbreeblog.com. Perfect. I'll send them over there and I can't wait to watch everything unfold and to see everything you're pulling together just become a massive success where there's many YouTubers as a result of you stepping out and, and being the teacher you're designed to be. So congratulations. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. It really means the world to me. I would be so appreciative if you would take one minute of your day and give a five-star review and share this on your social media. You can find me on the gram or Facebook, and don't forget our website, becomingiconic.co. Ladies, stand taller today. Roll those shoulders back, chin up, and go out and be iconic. <laughs>